lost my mom to suicide when I was nine years old. And I really never shared that with people because I had this underlying fear of I never wanted to have a crutch or a baked in excuse for anything. And I always felt like if I told people this, they'd have some level of pity or would give me a handicap of some kind. And I've always feared that. But after being an adult for a few years and working in sales and getting exposure to how relevant mental health is, I'm like, okay, this is a powerful story and something that I want to talk about. And I actually didn't necessarily sign up to do a marathon with the idea of doing it in my mom's honor or raising money. But as I ran more, I think running is like the most ideal time to think and to reflect. It was something that was on my mind a lot. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluvians, Alex Kremer. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast. I'm stoked for this conversation right here. I've actually been ruminating on this conversation for at least two to three weeks, just knowing that it was going to be happening. And just like my mind's been kind of working through like, this is one of my favorite topics and things to talk about with one of my friends, great acquaintances, JC Pollard here coming in from the beautiful Austin, Texas. First off, JC, what's up, man? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. I've equally been excited for this, so. <laughs> I love it, man. I know we've been percolating on some good stuff to chat about, but let me just give a little intro on who you are just so people know, and maybe you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, or you can fill in the gaps. Right now, you are an account executive at Gong. I think you've been there for just under three years, give or take. I love also how on your LinkedIn, it says Account Executive Aero Presidents Club. Just full love to see that. You've been posting some phenomenal stuff on LinkedIn, just around your mindset, around sales, prospecting closing. I've been enjoying and receiving a lot from your content. And besides that, I understand, I hate to say this, but you used to be the head of personal training at the University of Oregon as somebody who went to University of Washington, go dogs. But I'm pumped to have you on here. Fill in the gaps. Did I capture everything for your background? I know there's a lot to expand upon, but that's a couple of bullets I got for you. No, man, that's pretty spot on. But yeah, most of the content I post is SDR AE related. And I try to touch on stuff outside of just like the tactics of sales, but also the things that happen outside of work that can impact your ability to perform better in your job as well. So it was a good summary, man. You nailed it. It's like you do podcasts all the time or something. It's very in line with the stuff that you post just because I do really feel like Alluvians and the brand of Alluvians and what Rising Leader is really going towards is all specifically focused on sales professionals and sales leaders within the tech space and how they're going about not just becoming better at the craft and art of sales, which I love that game, but also becoming more clear around who they are and what makes them unique and also what their individual vision is and how to find purpose and to be in community with other people who are on that similar trajectory, who are also high performers and also just say, hey, there's something I'm trying to do here. And I think you're someone who, at least from what I can tell from the outside looking in, really embodies those three qualities right there of just lurking for more. I'm curious, are you like that first off? Would you agree with that statement? And also, where did that kind of stem from right there of just that mindset? It stems from a healthy and unhealthy place of like, I'm never satisfied with anything, which is something I'm working on, which is just like being more okay with the present and acknowledging the wins and stuff. It's always been wired like that. Like I just crave more and I have high aspirations. And to your point, I like surrounding myself with people in a similar boat. Thankful to work at Gong where that summarizes like pretty much the whole sales force. But yeah, 100% spot on. I'll give you just a congrats. You just completed the Austin Marathon yesterday. 
I'm assuming you've been mostly horizontal in some way today, unable to get up. As someone who just ran the New York Marathon, I know the prep and the time and the mindset that goes into that. So first off, congratulations on that. And it sounds like if I'm correct, you maybe exceeded what you were hoping for right there. So I'd love to see how was the marathon, man? It was awesome. I started training five months ago. And so it's cool seeing five months of hard work come to fruition. And it felt really good. It went honestly way better than I could have asked for and anticipated. It was so awful. And I'm in so much pain right now as I'm speaking to you. But yesterday, the race day itself was just a blast. And it was just a really fulfilling and rewarding experience seeing the hard work pay off. And ultimately, like you alluded to, my stretch goal this year, I wanted to do three marathons. I've never run one before. And by my third marathon, I wanted to hit a 3.30 marathon time. And I did it in my first marathon, which was like not really necessarily on my radar. So I'm pretty stoked with how it went. I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm hoping to New York this year, man. I got to find a charity. I got to get in because I've heard that's just insane. I've always loved Austin. Even when I was in eighth grade, I remember the University of Texas played USC in the Rose Bowl for the championship. And I grew up in San Diego. So all my friends were rooting for USC. I wore a Longhorns hat. And there's something about Austin that I really enjoy. So I love that you ran that marathon. You ended up beating what your goal was. Essentially, you're going to be running three this year. You ended up hitting your goal on your first one. First off, that's amazing. Second off, how did you do that? What was the training or the mindset that went into accomplishing what you were trying to? I was pretty proud of myself. I started training five months ago. I got on this program called Run With Hal. I used Run With Hal as well, actually. It's awesome, right? Yeah. You plug in your goal, your race date, your current mileage, your current times, and it just formulates a plan for you. And I probably missed four or five runs over the last five months, the whole plan. So I was just really diligent about the training. I was constantly planning for how race day was going to go. It's like practice the way you want to perform, structuring at this mile, I want to run this time. And I was just trying to strategically think it all out. And so yesterday was so fun to actually like implement that and then see it work. My favorite quote is, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of preparation. And that's exactly what I experienced yesterday. It fired me up. Mile 20, I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, I don't know if I ever want to run a marathon again. And then today, I'm like literally looking at marathons to sign up for a few months from now. It was just a great experience. So you were talking the other day about how when you would finish your runs as you're training, how you would then at that point imagine, what if I still had to run more? Talk a little about that. And I'd, I'd be curious if you would be open to tying that into how does that translate to not just the race specifically, but how you're thinking about your life, your career, all of the stuff that you're doing? I thought it was so profound when you shared it with me. Yeah, I love just preparing yourself to overcome adversity by forcing adversity. This marathon program that I was on, the farthest you ever run is 20 miles. I did two 20-mile runs in preparation for the marathon. I knew that on marathon day, I would be running 6.2 additional miles. And so every single training run that I had, when I had 6.2 miles remaining in that run, I thought to myself, this is race day. These next 6.2 miles is going to be race day. It's going to be a mileage you've never done. We have to work on just honing in our mindset and no matter what, finishing this run strong. I had 6.2 plugged into my mind every single training run. And yesterday when I got to mile 20, it was just such a cool feeling. My body was exhausted. Nothing in the tank, like legs were on fire. But I'm like, okay, this is what we practice for every single training run. 6.2 miles, gut it out, stay strong mentally, find a way to finish. I think that applies to everything. And I also think that just applies to the power of like actually being prepared and knowing your stuff. It's just like in high school or college when you would show up for a test knowing you didn't study very well and that anxiety and that level of nerves versus when you worked your ass off and you crammed and you knew every question and you went into it feeling confident. It's like the exact same thing. When you are doing everything you can 
it's in your control to execute at the highest level. And then it comes time to execute. You just have this like level of calm and you're just ready to do it. And that's, it feels like you're preparing your mind five months in advance. You're imagining yourself there. I almost feel it like we're throwing an immersion in July 14th through 16th, and it's actually going to be in Austin. Maybe you come and give some good speaking tips there. But what I shared with my team is the container for that immersion has opened. We're not even in at the end of February right now, but that thing has been opened. That entity itself, that the mindset that goes in towards that, our hearts opening towards thinking about that, it's opened. And when you acknowledge that, it allows to work in the background, your brain, your body, your heart, all yeah. of it is really starting to say, okay, like even without you cognitively thinking, okay, I need to think about this. I got to start prepping. I got, yes, that stuff is important. But like when you're not thinking about anything, you're thinking about it, or at least it's processing back there. And so I feel like once you got to mile 20 on your marathon, your body and your brain is like, we've been stoked. You're probably like, oh man, finally we're here. I've been mentally preparing and putting in just an intentionality so that when I got to this point, I was ready for this. 100%. It's going to sound cringy. I think this is so many parallels to cold calls. I used to lead a cold call enablement session for SDRs at Gong. But the summary of the session was all about mindset. It wasn't about anything tactically in a cold call. There are different sessions on how to handle objections, all that stuff. My session was all just about how do we have the right mindset going into a call block. And the high level summary of it is like, you have the foundation, you've worked to nail the pitch or the objections, the persona. When somebody picks up the phone, everything else gets put to the side and you just have to execute. Like the foundation is there. And that's exactly how it felt yesterday. Foundation's been laid, the work's been done. You've got it in the bag. You just have to execute. You know, it's really funny that you share that because I remember the first half marathon that I ever ran, it was in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I put some training effort into that. I probably put two months or so. Running 13 miles, if you've never done it before, you got to also start to put in some tempo towards that. I trained for two months and I remember running my half marathon. And the entire time that I've been training, I've been thinking about this race, thinking about how it's going to feel, thinking about crossing the finish line, thinking about just like being there and in the heart of it. And then as I'm running this half marathon, the only thing I could think about was how valuable and awesome the past two months of training was. How mm. I would go out when it was six o'clock when it was dark because I ran it in the winter. So it got dark early and I put on a headlamp and I ran five miles and I was at outreach at the time. I was really at the early stages of being an account executive and just the mental fortitude that you need to have when it's Q4, when it's dark outside, how the half marathon was just my place just to be like, let it go, dude. Yeah, enjoy it. You worked. Enjoy it. I'm so funny. The entire time I was training, I was looking towards the marathon. When the entire time I was in the marathon, I was looking back at the past three months. And I was like, huh, what's, there's a lesson here in some sort of way. That's so interesting. I was like, going into the marathon anticipating a similar experience. And this is going to be three to four hours of like reflection and time to think. I didn't have a single thought except run forward. That was the only letdown. I was expecting some profound clicking moments. I was just one foot ahead of the other. It was, it was tunnel vision for the whole time, which was kind of a unique experience in its own. But that's interesting. I'm sure you've read Atomic Habits. It's the thing to do. And I think what I experienced that was so true is... That book talks a lot about how you expect the gratification to come from the reward, but it's really the process that's enjoyable and the pursuit of that reward. And that's 100% how I felt about this marathon, like the waking up and training and putting in the work. That was more enjoyable than the actual result. What I want to kind of dive into a little bit, and this was one of the main things that we wanted to discuss is what was your why for running the marathon? 
And I think you have a really vulnerable, authentic, personal story as it relates to this and the greater vision as to what you're doing. And that's also made you a lot of who you are today. And also why I think your story and what you're racing for, what you're doing for will impact and be so valuable to so many people, myself very much included. So walk us through just what was the reason why you're running and what were you running for? This is hard for me to talk about because it's something I haven't talked about for most of my life. But I, I lost my mom to suicide when I was nine years old. And I really never shared that with people because I had this underlying fear of I never wanted to have a crutch or a baked in excuse for anything. And I always felt like if I told people this, they'd have some level of pity or would give me a handicap of some kind. And I've always feared that. But after being an adult for a few years and working in sales and getting exposure to how relevant mental health is, I'm like, okay, this is a powerful story and something that I want to talk about. And I actually didn't necessarily sign up to do a marathon with the idea of doing it in my mom's honor or raising money. But as I ran more, I think running is like the most ideal time to think and to reflect. It was something that was on my mind a lot. And so a couple months ago, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to actually do this for and dedicate this to. And so I decided, I'm like, you know what? I built somewhat of a following on LinkedIn, small but mighty. And this is a cause that's really near and dear to my heart. I know a lot of people are struggling with this. So I'm like, I'm going to run this in honor of my mom and try to raise the money for suicide prevention. Set a goal of raising like $1,000, which I thought was, there's no way. I haven't met the majority of these people on LinkedIn. We had $1,000 like six hours later and then ended up raising close to $5,000 for this first marathon. It was just really cool. And I just think running has been so good for my mental health. And so I just think it's a really unique marriage of doing an activity that is so positive for your mental health while raising awareness for mental health and then also raising money for mental health in honor of somebody who lost a battle to mental health. It was too perfect of a combination. What's so near and dear to your heart? But I'm assuming I love what you shared. It's something that was on your mind a lot. And this gave you the space to be with it. That's probably something that will never leave you. And you will always know that. And to honor it, in your own way by doing this and doing something impactful to support other people. It's so profound. I think profound is a perfect word for it. And it's also been really refreshing. I think LinkedIn has a connotation of being a little bit fake and cringy. And I thought that too for a while. And now the amount of messages I've gotten from people who reach out, I tried to take my own life multiple times and have found your post really inspired. Like actual real human connections and people that have been found some level, either inspiration or hope or anything out of my post. That's crazy to me. I just started posting sales tactics one day and fast forward a few months and people are reaching out, sharing these like really deep personal stories. And that is such a cool feeling. And it's been a really good reminder of how many just really quality people there are out there. And it's been a cool way to use the platform. It's funny because I ran my marathon for mental health awareness too. And I also am someone who very much participates in the mental health and the game of keeping myself mentally strong because there's stuff that is inherent in my family and in my genes and just my typology, I guess you can say, and towards a downward inclination, or a depressive type of way if mm. I'm not supporting myself in the ways that we do. And I also do know that when I'm at the deeper grooves of that, that's a very lonely place. All of a sudden, you start to, at least my journey, I have to just distance myself from people, whether it be my mm. family, my close personal friends, my community, really just go into my own world and have to do some excavation there to really pick myself back up. Mm -hmm. But when someone like yourself or others post something online, 
it's a way of saying, oh shit, I'm not alone. Other people are going through this too. They're most isolated moments. So it's like, oh shit, I'm actually not alone. Yeah. And that's why I think the vulnerability and authenticity, like I'm making the LinkedIn platform more about that. And when people actually speak to true, oh man, this is deep and meaningful. Everybody's like, wow, my heart just opened from that. Thank you for that. I love that. And that's exactly what I experienced. And like, I've always just been so hesitant to talk about it. But then this little GoFundMe I made for the marathon, the people that donated were coworkers who I love, bosses who I admire, people I've sold gone to who I didn't even realize we built that level of a connection with. Mm -hmm. Friends from the past, friends from college, and then people on the platform I've never met in my life. And it was such a cool reminder of there's more people pulling for you than you think. And people are actually that like really supportive when you do open up and it's a hard thing to do. It just made me once again, have restored faith in humanity. I'm glad you've experienced something similar. This is not just me. Lately, I've been studying the hero's journey. It's a guy by the name of Joseph Campbell wrote this book of, I believe it's called the hero with a thousand faces Mm. to fact check myself on that one. But there's the whole story of the hero's journey, which is essentially 12 steps that almost every storyline, whether it be movie or book, or even the story of Jesus and other spiritual beings have followed through this storyline. Luke Skywalker went through it. Katniss mm. Everdeen from The Hunger Games went through it. Harry Potter went through it. And there's a couple of steps in it that really resonate with me. And the first one is going through, it's called like your tests, your enemies, and developing allies. Like you're going through tiny little areas to just get coached and perfect yourself and sharpen the sword and and figure out just you're getting better. Right before you try to go and do what's called the ordeal, which is the thing that you like are being called to do, really execute on, you have to go to the cave, the innermost cave. You've just been working really hard, but before you can actually go face the enemy or the battle, you have to first say, but there's that one thing that I need to conquer within Mm. myself the inward thing within myself. And once they do that, and in a way, it's, there's a part of you that dies. You're letting that thing go. It says, okay, I'm now ready to go face this. And part of what you're speaking to, you know, even of mental health and all that, there's that thing that we all really need to go to the innermost cave and nourish it, be with it, process it, talk about it, integrate it. <laughs> you just tend to it. And I think that's, very much what your message is that you're speaking to and your posts and all of that is be with your shit. And also yeah. here's how your mindset should be as you're being with your shit. Yeah. And it's also an ongoing thing. The last thing I ever want to come off on or as on a podcast is like, I've reached this destination where like I found the perfect balance and I'm at peace. This is like an ongoing thing that you're constantly dealing with, but I couldn't agree more. That's what David Goggins says what he is doing when he's doing these insane runs, which is really what you're talking about. Using physical challenges or external stimulus, find the deepest, darkest caves, what's really going on with you. We have the ability to speak about what you said is valid. I'm not trying to come off as like the expert here and neither am I. And I think a lot of people have a tendency to share about a struggle they went through after they've gone through it. Like it's past tense. Very few people I think truly, and this is like something I aspire towards that's also fucking terrifying, is to share it as you're going through it, as you're processing and don't have it figured out. Not that this is the same level of importance at all as mental health, but I've been super open and transparent about sharing my performance in my job on LinkedIn. My quota attainment, emails that have worked, cold call tactics. 
And it's a uniquely scary thing because I'm in a new segment now, close zero dollars this year. I've built this muscle of being transparent in a year that I hyper succeeded. <laughs> and I'm going to keep sharing my performance, good, bad, or ugly, continuing going forward. And that's been kind of a, a scary thing as well because I haven't reached the mountaintop. Like I had one really good year of sales. There's a lot of people that have one really good year of sales and then like regress to the mean. So built this precedent where I just have to be open and transparent with how I'm doing. For you to have the ability to do that, there has to be a certain level of, I don't care what people think about me. But I think to accompany the, I don't care what people think about me, and I'm going to coin a phrase that you said in our first conversation, which I want to talk about a little bit, is to be not just abundant in terms of your mindset, but unwaveringly confident. What is it like to be unwaveringly confident? Once again, journey, not a destination. I've not reached a place where I'm at an unwavering confidence level in a million things. But specifically with sales, there's going to be so many obstacles and hurdles in anything you do. We'll use sales as like a, an anecdote here, but macroeconomic conditions are getting tougher. Specifically in my space, it's getting way more competitive. Company grows, territories get smaller. Like There's always external stimulus that are going to make things harder. But if you can maintain unwavering confidence and conviction that you'll find a way to get it done, I think that just leads to doing the behaviors and the activities that will allow you to succeed rather than leaning on the crutch of all these external challenges and letting that infiltrate your mind. My thought last year was, I don't care. I'm going to find a way to go close a lot of business. Like it's out <laughs> there. I'm going to find a way. Objections, obstacle, people say no, whatever. We'll find a way to get it done. Definitely need to still apply that to a lot of other areas in life. But I think the number one thing that allowed me to have a really good year last year, it wasn't anything I do in my sales cycle. It wasn't demos or discovery calls. It was like that abundance mindset and just level of confidence that there is a way. I'll find a way. We'll make this happen. I like that. There is a way. I almost took it as when you said as being unwaveringly confident. You're saying that there's a way. You'll find a way. There's a possibility. There's infinite yeah. possibilities to make this happen. One of my favorite books is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It literally is all about how do we take an obstacle, something that most people would view as a hurdle or a speed bump or the universe making it harder on you and not only overcome it, but actually flip it into an opportunity. For example, macroeconomic conditions get way harder. CFOs are scrutinizing every single dollar. Every deal that comes across the finish line, you have to build a ironclad ROI, a business case. Everything has become harder to sell a software. That's an obstacle. And one mentality would be like, that sucks. It's so much harder to sell. My first reaction after reading this book was like, oh my gosh, what a unique opportunity to run a airtight sales cycle and build really strong business cases. And then think about how that's going to work when the economy does turn around and people are buying again and you take that skill set you've developed in a time of turmoil. But that's just an example of every time there's something in your way, how do you view it as a positive? How are you like, this is a unique opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I love how you're, you're changing your relationship to it. As you were sharing, I thought back to there's this old guy who used to be on my team, Ross, and his uncle was the Navy SEAL, complete badass. He used to talk wonderful things about him. And I'm going to butcher the story, but I remember Ross telling me that his uncle said when they'd be out on a mission and something would go awry, they forgot to deliver this sort of thing. Oh, this part of the plan got messed up. But whatever it mm -hmm. might be, the Navy SEAL's motto is great, onward great onwards. There's the Russell Wilson book he talks about having what's called the neutral mindset. 
You're not getting caught up in the, all right, times are great. Love it. This is amazing. And you're also not getting caught up in the, oh my God, times really suck. What am I going to do? You're just like, even if there's three minutes left on the clock and you're down by 10 points, Russell Wilson's mindset is just cool. What are the facts? What do I do to go forward? Great. Onward. I love that. But you're taking it, but I like what you're saying even a little bit more because you're taking a more opportunity to learn. I think that's the difference. And that's what I loved about this book. I've always thought it was difficult to do, but pretty obvious that obstacles there, how do we get over it? That to me is like relatively intuitive, not saying that it comes easily, but that makes sense. Taking that extra level and being like, this is so cool. Now I can do this. I love that. That's good. So talk to me now about as you are continuing to go on your path and your way up to being a strong account executive and eventually on the leadership, most likely, just talk to me about how do we tie all of this in that we just discussed? Your mindset, your being authentic, how do we tie that into leadership? Because you are right now an individual contributor, technically. I hate that name, individual contributor, but right now you're an IC. How do you still bring in this concept of leadership to you in the current stage of your life right now and how that impacts other people that you're with? I think title and if you're a leader are not even close to correlated, honestly. But to your point, I don't have a direct leadership role by any means. I think the thing I try to incorporate in every aspect of my career and my life is just authenticity. Given the history I had losing a parent at a really young age, I've just had an early understanding that this whole life thing is not guaranteed and (laughs) tomorrow is not a given and you can't really take things for granted. I show up to work with a pretty positive, borderline corny enthusiasm every day. And I remember one time I led a team meeting. We had just gotten to sign a new team of account executives. We all knew each other as colleagues, but didn't know each other that well. And I reached out to my manager. I'm like, Jesse, I think we have an opportunity to do something that brings us closer as humans and allows each other to get to know each other on a deeper level. And so I led a session which is essentially like you go around the room and you share like what's the biggest thing you've overcome or obstacle in your life and then what's your North Star? Why are you doing this job or you're working hard, all that stuff? And I told for the first time my team the story of my mom and everything. And I remember one of my colleagues was like after his AC, like I always thought that this was somewhat fake, like your energy and the way you show up. And he's like, now I understand why you're so positive. And so I just think people resonate to authenticity. I think that's why my LinkedIn has started to get some traction is it's like 1000% me and whether you like it or not, it's authentic. And so I think that's step one is people can smell bullshit from like a mile away. And if you're yourself, people gravitate towards that no matter if you're in a leadership position technically or an individual contributor. I've led quite a few teams in my day of account executives and SDRs and all of that. And when it's a team that all just reports to me as the leader, those teams are lame <laughs> in its own way. Sure, we can do them and that's just the stage, but I don't want to be the only damn leader there. I want each individual to be a leader. And the first step is to lead yourself, which I think you are in a great embodiment of, hey, before I can even think about impacting or influencing anybody else, if I'm not impacting influencing myself in a positive way and also bringing compassion to myself, good luck doing anything else. But by you doing that, and leading yourself, what I see you doing is then that just naturally transmits to the people on your team. It's almost like your orb around you is starting to come from a certain higher level of frequency that just people are picking up that frequency and being called into a higher level of leadership themselves. And that soon turns into all that everybody's starting to vibrate from the same type of thing. 
This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next, we got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. And it's becoming the team. And you don't need the title, like you said, to be the damn leader. I think what you said too is so true. You got to do the work and do your job. And I don't care what I did last year. We are all on a level playing field now. We're all at zero. Brand new year, brand new team. And so I told this to my new manager. I'm like, I'm not going to come in with any expectations, assumptions that I'm going to be a leader on this team or come in with any kind of ego. Step one is I need to prove I can perform in this role first. Focus on me and I want to make sure that I get to know everyone before I attempt to step up in any leadership role. And I think that's part of it too. Like Kelly Wright, she was a board member at Gong and then got hired on as our president. The first thing she did for the first two months was called a listening tour, where she literally just interviewed almost every employee at the company for 15 minutes and didn't implement a single change or anything. But step one, let's just understand how people are thinking, how everyone's feeling. And that's the approach I'm trying to take this new team as well. I don't want to force myself into any kind of role until I know what's best for everyone and and can prove I can do it myself. That's just my approach. We'll see how it works out. Hopefully I can replicate last year. Well, it's always stage zero. I used to have a motto on my team and I maybe even created t-shirts out of this because I love the motto so much. It's the beginning of the beginning. It's just the first part of the first part. And that's a mindset right there. I hope to be on my deathbed and be like, beginning of the beginning, baby. That's actually truly what I believe. There's an infinite journey that we are on here, but it's more of, hey, I'm going to continuously begin, whether you want to call it the beginner's mindset or just like a level of curiosity that says, man, sure, I might know some shit, but I got a lot more shit to learn. So much. Oh my God. I don't know anything. It's crazy to think about how much more we don't know than we'll ever know. But the only other thing I wanted to add, because you asked about how to be a leader in a non-leadership role, but I think this applies to leadership roles as well, is Just giving back the amount of people that have taken time out of their day to mentor and to give me guidance as I was an SDR, wanted to become a really good SDR, and then was a SDR, wanted to become an AE, and then a young, early, shitty AE trying to become a proficient AE is like the amount of people who went out of their way to hop on a call or provide guidance or do a mock call meant the world to me and it helped me so much. And so You try to pass the torch along, whether that's helping other SDRs or helping a new AE or hopping on calls with someone. I always think it's important to just try to give back as you learn. And that was the catalyst for even starting posting on LinkedIn. I think I'm learning things here that are really helping me. It would be such a waste not to try to share that with other people and hopefully they can replicate that success. I think that's a huge component of leadership. And like, I've been fortunate to have the best managers in the world who do that and lead by example in that regard as well. Just constantly giving back, constantly sharing best practices, been exposed to really good leaders. I think when you begin to teach something is when you begin to master it. When it's not just about you doing it, but you actually have to take this thing out and you have to put it on your hand. You have to look at it and different angles and explain to us something about why you do it. It is self-serving in a way is to teach. I still remember when I was an account executive and I knew I wanted to be a leader and I knew that I wanted to be effective once I got the opportunity to officially have the title, I actually reached out to SDRs and I asked if I could mentor them. And I was like, hey, I think I could give you some value and I could definitely gain a lot of value from how to coach and how to lead and how to mentor. Oh, I love that. 
And I still remember, I've shared the story once, I think, on this podcast, actually, but I still remember I was teaching the new initial meeting deck or the initial meeting deck to a guy named Devin on our team. He was an SDR, knew he wanted to be an AE. And I went through it all, how to do the frame, the discovery, the speak to the trends, speak to the problems that organizations are facing, and speak to how we specifically do it. And I got to explain it. And the first thing he says is, you know, Alex, I didn't realize how much psychology is really built into our initial meeting. And I was like, you know what, Devin, neither did I. Until I just explained it to you. By going through it, all of a sudden I had such a deeper wave. Oh, wow, I do that here because of this. And then I could tweak it a little bit. I could sharpen it. I had a greater depth to understanding it. That's so interesting. I'm trying to think back to the things I've learned by teaching. There's certainly a lot. It's pretty cool. I'm going to sit on that one for a while. Even when it comes to posting, when you're required to write down a lesson or a virtue that you have or a perspective that you have, so what is my perspective again? Why do I care about this? And you're forced to write it in. I remember even creating my website, writing down what I do a thousand different times in a thousand different ways for different places. What do I do again? Have you always found that you get greater satisfaction out of helping somebody else reach a milestone or improve than your own milestones? Or what kind of made you know that you wanted to be in a leadership role? I really like... Absolutely. I love it when I perform. That feels great. And I love making a team perform together. So yes, I like seeing an individual perform for sure. But what I love actually the most is I like seeing a team perform together. Cool. Right? Like even when I grew up playing baseball and football, one player could be really great, but if the team lost, nobody was going to be happy. And even now I started coaching a softball team that all my friends and I would play on. And I really started to be like, I fucking love this. I love sending out the emails. I love giving the fist out, pumped everybody before the game and like setting the lineup. I love that. And especially when everybody started enjoying it and be like, oh, there's a culture here. I love the culture aspect of it. And when the culture is great, then the individuals are feeling great. And then they're succeeding individually. That's then impacting all their personal life, their family or friends. I'm like, man, then that gives me purpose. Now it's not just about me. It's about so much more than me. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. I haven't had the opportunity to create that yet, but that sounds like Something that would be pretty uh, pretty motivating, fulfilling is creating that team feel. Oh, I think you'd be a natural at it, my friend. A natural. Well, see, I got to learn more about selling first. That's how I'm approaching <laughs> this. It's like I got to go up market and learn a lot more and mess up a lot more and, and improve a lot before I'm ready to put people's careers under my name one day. But right now, I'm just learning. This is what I'll say, man. I have one more question for you. But before I dive into that question, man, I, I do just want to acknowledge you. First off, for just being on the show, I enjoyed this conversation and we talked about some of my favorite stuff around mental health and around the journey and around sales and around leadership. Thanks for jamming on that. And just, I appreciate your journey and your authenticity and your vulnerability that you're going. And hopefully there's some account executives or sales professionals out there who are not in a title leadership role that also say, oh, you can still be a leader without the title by doing exactly things that you are doing and speaking your truth. So thank you for doing that. And please, for all out there and for our benefits, please keep on doing it. And my last question for you is this, ma'am. This show is obviously called The Rising Leader Podcast. So I'm curious, what do you view as the rising leader that is occurring within the world today? Oh my gosh. First of all, to touch on everything, I like really enjoyed the conversation. I actually just saw the clock for the first time and that flew by. Man, what is the rising leader? I don't necessarily know. I think it's like this new wave of leadership that's less hierarchical and it's more collaborative. 
that's how I would view it. And it's less so much somebody who's just you're reporting to them and what they say goes. And I feel like nowadays, it's more of a dialogue and a conversation. And the second component to that, I feel like the rising leader is about the human and not the performer. Understanding what motivates somebody on a personal level, understanding their world, their challenges, their life, not just their metrics and their quota and their number and that kind of stuff. I was pretty on the spot, man. I don't know how I did. But. I vibe with that answer, man. I love that. It's not about just the numbers. It's more about who you are and what's going on with you. My manager, Jesse, who is an unbelievable leader, almost never gives me an answer when I have a question. Almost never. She's asking questions in return and it's like a back and forth and she's helping like me come to realizations on my own versus telling me what to do. Like, I can't remember the last time she told me what to do, but I think that's the new way. It's like, how do we coach somebody to arrive on their own and in their own way? Now that's a good manager right there. Hey man, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. I love your definition of the rising leader. Definitely resonates a lot. And keep the mental health motto, mindset, and the unwavering confidence that there is a possibility for it to happen. Going strong, man. So thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you for joining. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluviance.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluviance. Alluviance is helping sales professionals, sales leaders, and founders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. And in the past 12 months, we've thrown four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales leaders, founders on not just getting better at the craft, but really working on the inner game, gaining clarity on their vision, and also overcoming what's holding them back. The best part is you'll be doing it in an incredible community of high performers who are also trying to do the exact same thing. Our next immersion is going to be this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas. And make sure you check out alluviance.co to apply there. Can't wait to see ya.